Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I will. I will. Look at your neighbor and say it's a choice to rejoice. Well, I can't believe we are moving right out of August, right into, God bless you. <laughs> We're moving right out of August, August right into, um, I mean, out of July into August. Boy, I'm almost pushed us right out of August. Kelly, you might have the baby. <laughs> Let's go before Father and just ask God to uh, speak to our hearts and to recognize that we've come into this place there's a few individuals not feeling well today, and we need to continue to keep the body of Christ in prayer. Someone say amen, amen. and uh, let's go before Father. Father, we are so grateful because of all that you have done. We come into this place, Lord, to worship you, to recognize that you rule and reign, and you do the miraculous. Nothing is impossible for you. And so, Lord, we lift up our hearts today. We forget about anything that's going on around us. And, Lord, we now go to the and live our life and worship for the audience of one. We bring it all to you, Lord, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister. Have your way, Father, in this place as we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, good morning to each one of you. Good morning. Can you say good morning? Go ahead. Good morning. Good. Oh, that's a few of you. <laughs> it's a good morning because Jesus is in control. Amen? Amen. We're going to be talking about the last chapter in 2 Peter. And uh, I want you to realize that um, 2 Peter chapter 3 is a powerful chapter. Peter itself is just incredible. And it's talking about the second coming of the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming back. There's not an if, it's just the question is when. And if you look at what's happening around the world, there are so many things changing, oh my word, that I cannot even believe it, the things that are coming now, the pike. And I'm going to talk just a little bit about that because there is some major changes that are going to be taking place in our world that's you're, you're, things are going to be so different. That's all I can tell you. And it's not going to be that easy at times. But that being said, how many know that your God still rules and reigns? Amen. And how many know that God prophesied this in his word before it even got here? Amen. You know, when the, when the word of God talked about a one world government many, many years ago, and I, and I was like, how's that going to happen? Or I would read the scripture, it says, and all shall see him. Well, back then satellites were there, and, and today you can see war taking place right on, right on action, live. It's amazing how today we can see how it can happen. We look at what took place in COVID and how people were turning people in because they were breaking the law, the COVID law. See, it's amazing, but the scriptures are true. Now, now I want you to understand something, that I want to talk to you today about the promise of God in the midst of scoffers. But before I do, I want to ask you, how many of, have ever had someone promise you something and they broke your promise? They broke your promise. And if you got that promise broken, how many were really disappointed? Hmm? Man, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed if every person who said they were going to come to church actually came to church. <laughs> I talked to so many people this week, I'm going to be in church. Okay. And if, they, if, they, if I went on those promises, I'd be so 
defeated. But I leave it into the hands of God. Someone say hands of God. You see, the promise is only as strong as the one who makes the promise. And when God makes you a promise, you can count on it. Someone say count on it. Yeah, you can count on it. It's going to take place. Jesus is saying that in the last days, there's going to be scoffers. There are going to be people who are going to come against the word of God. Actually, AI is trying to, one guy is going to be using AI to create a new religion that encompasses everything. I mean, they're going to have the computer come up with this so-called new Bible. It's amazing what's taking place. The problem is, and this is the sad part, many people are going to believe it because they don't know the truth. I see so many Christians so easily swayed by, by people, and they disown the Bible, but they will go believe all these other books and all these other people like crazy and just cast off the very word of God. That's the breath of God. This amazes me. I see it all the time. Like Joe and John over there said this, and oh, after they said, they'll just quote these individuals. I hear this all the time from people. They'll, they'll, they want to quote me every book and every philosopher and everything they're reading, and I bring them back to the scriptures, but that's, that don't count anymore. One day it's going to count. One day it's going to count with everything. Because there's some books that will inform, there's other books that reform, but only the word of God will transform a human life. And this is the power of God's word, the inspiration of God. There was a man named Everett Storms, and he took a year and a half. He went through the scriptures, and he wrote down every promise that was in the scriptures. His number came out to this number here, 8,810 promises. And out of those 8,810 promises, he found that 7,487 of them were directed from God to humanity, to the ones that he was pertaining to the ones he created. That's a lot of promises. And there are so many promises that God has said that took place in so many ways. So I wanted to, we're going to do a lot today. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get your seatbelt on. We're going to be traveling at the speed of light. And I want to cover a whole chapter this morning. And for me to cover a whole chapter, it's almost like asking God for a miracle. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best to get you out of here by 4 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> you see, when it comes to the promises of God, in 2 Peter chapter 3, chapter 2, chapter 1, in chapter 1, Peter is ex ex exhorting the people to gain God's grace and God's peace through, through knowledge, epinosis, a real understanding of who God is so that we can live knowing God. And he says your grace and your peace will abound more and more, grow and grow as you go get deeper into God's knowledge. And he talks about the precious promises of God. Someone say precious promises of God. God has given you precious promises. But sometimes when you face yourself with a hardship, when you're faced with something that's difficult, when you're faced when you don't have the answers, it's tough to remember what the promises of God tell you. 
because you're emotionally hurt, you're emotionally distracted, you're emotionally drained, and you don't remember or you're not spending time in the presence of God so the peace of God and the Spirit of God can fill you and strengthen you and help you. Listen to this promise Jesus gave us in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Someone say, praise the Lord. God has a plan that he has a plan. And he says, I'm going to build you a place. Your place is only going to be as good as the amount of materials you send up. If you didn't have a mansion here and you have no intention to live in a mansion there, then don't send much materials up because your life is, built, is building a place, building a position, building a reward before God. Because God's going to, it's another message, but God's going to reward you for your faithfulness in the Lord. Listen to this found in Acts. It says this, chapter 1, verse 9. This is the ascension, a promise even in the ascension spoken by angels. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him with their sight, from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. Someone say, come back. You know, what's that movie, the I'll Be Back? <laughs> Jesus was the first one that said, I'll be back. He's, the, angels, the angels have taken him into heaven, will be back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That's a promise. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a promise. So we have a promise that he's building mansions. He's building a place for you. He has a promise that he's coming back. And once again, I look at John on the island of Patmos. Oh, all because he's isolated, because he's persecuted. They couldn't kill him through boiling him in oil. So they put him on an island, but God met him on an island. And as he's continuing to write revelation at the very end, at the very end, he says this. This is powerful. Revelation chapter 22, 20. He who testifies of these things, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. I know there's times when things get life rough. You say, oh, Lord, please, this is a good time to come. Huh? You know, when things are really between a rock and a hard place, you're like, God, this is a good time to come. I'm good now. No, no, no. Listen, when you're in a tough moment, let God help you out from that moment so you can build up your character because strong character comes from the struggles in which you go through. The monarch is a beautiful butterfly, but he has to struggle out of that cocoon. He struggles and struggles, and in that struggle, he drives off his wings and he drives off his wings. He gets stronger and stronger, and then he can soar. Amen. But he can't soar unless he goes through the struggle. But in the midst of the struggle, there's promise. Someone say, in the midst of my struggle, I have promise. Triumph in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you ready today? We're going to take a journey. Now smile when you say that. <laughs> Come on, we're going to take a journey. Let's go to 1 Peter. 
chapter 3, look at verse 1 and 4. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as a reminder to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commands given by the Lord and Savior through the apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming, he promised. Ever since our father, fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Let's take, let's take a moment here for a second and look at the first verse the first verse tells us that he wrote 1 Peter and he wrote 2 Peter. This is the second time that he's emphasizing the same things almost. He's bringing a reminder to stimulate the people because they needed to know the bigger picture. God's promise is for you. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with, but the word of God is to remind us and to stimulate you and I for wholesome thinking. It's that when you're in the Word of God and you read God's Word, it rearranges our thought pattern. But if you don't get in the Word of God and God is pushed off to the side, it will affect your thoughts, it will affect your actions, it will affect your life, it will affect your family, it will affect those, uh, your, uh, those that you spend around, and it will affect your destiny. It's a, tr it's a process one decision will affect every area of your life. It's the same thing in life. You make decisions. When I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, that one decision changed my whole life, changed my whole direction, changed everywhere where I ended up, everything that ever took place, just because I said yes to Jesus Christ. I didn't know that he was going to call me to be a preacher. All I knew, Lord knows, I thought I was the most unlikely I mean, if I was picking people to be a preacher, I wouldn't pick me. I mean, I can't emphasize that ever more. I would have skipped me over. Matter of fact, I would have paid someone not to pick me. But God sees things in a different light, doesn't he? Look at your neighbor and say, God sees you in a different light as well. I mean, we sometimes belittle ourselves, but God has a plan for each one of you. He really does, but you have to get on his plan. You have to get to know him. I want you to read this portion of scripture here. It's in 2 Peter 1. It says this. He says this again in 1 Peter, what he just said in 2 Peter, uh, verse chapter 3. Chapter 1, he says it, and chapter 3, he says it. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of the things, though you know... And are established in the present truth, yes, I think it's right. As long as I am in this tent, look at your neighbor and say, what a nice tent you are in today. <laughs> to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus has shown me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of the things after my going away or decease. I want you to get this. This is important. You and I need to recognize, keep pushing my buttons over here, don't I? 
You and I need to recognize God has a plan for you and I in all things. I want you to get that. It's important. Now, that being said, I want you to look at verse 2. I want to recall the words spoken in past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord, the Savior, through the apostles. I want you to understand he's trying to, what Peter's trying to do is remind you and stimulate you. That's what he's trying to do to the people there. He's trying to remind and stimulate. Let me ask you a question. Before you do something, you have to um, be reminded, right? How, how many ever had teenagers and you're going to remind them to take out the trash? And when you remind them, you stimulate them to do what they need to do. Amen? Well, if you do not remind yourself of what God's word, how will you be stimulated to do what you need to do? That's why it's important to read your scriptures. People who do not read their scriptures will not grow in God because it is the power of God that brings the transformation of God. It's so powerful. It's God's living word. If I was to take a survey right now and ask how many people are reading God's word, we'd all be disappointed because the national statistics shows that people are so busy today, they don't have time for the most important thing, and that is God, the one who gives them that time. How many times as a pastor, or maybe you as well, someone you out of them in church and says, I, I don't have time for church, or I don't have time for prayer, or I don't have time to read my scriptures. You don't have time. I always ask them, hey, hey, can I ask you one question, one question? Where does your time come from? Huh? Are you in control of your next breath? No. Who gives you that breath? God. And yet you have no time for the one who gives you your breath. Does that make sense? That's like, that's like, Telling your boss, hey, boss, I, I want my paycheck, but I'm not coming in for, you know, three years. It, it, it's, it's absurd. But nevertheless, we do this to God all the time. So Paul, Peter is really trying to stimulate them as he reminds them of what God says. Now, this is important. And then he says, you've got to remember what the prophets have said. God has given you the scriptures, but if you don't know it, how is he going to remind you? How are you going to know how to apply it? How are you going to... Work in it. That's why this portion of Scripture is, to me, one of the portions of Scripture I use with people all the time when they try to say the Word of God is not the Word of God. And this is why life's changed, because of God speaking. I want you to get this. Second Peter 1 says this, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Watch this now. Verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is what makes the scriptures so different than any other book. God wrote it. Look at your neighbor and say, God wrote it. Now we need to read it, learn it. God wrote the book. It makes me laugh a little bit because I've been to a couple people who have written books and everybody gets in line to get it autographed. God wrote the very, God Almighty wrote the Bible that you have in your hands. That alone should get you excited. He not only autographed it, but he put his power in it. 
People all of a sudden wait in line just for someone's autograph. Oh, he autographed it to my friend. And yet, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. God is with you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's with you. Come on, encourage them this morning. Let's go, let's take a journey on this process here. So in verse 3 and 4, look what it says. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Let's take a moment right there. So what Peter is saying is that people are going to come against the word of God. We have seen this throughout ages. People always trying to get a word of God. Because if the word of God is not the word of God, then I have an excuse. See, everybody wants to discredit the word of God. Because if we could discredit it, then it makes people feel better. But the reality is, whether you feel good or not, you're still accountable to the word of God. Especially those who know its truth. In the last days, scoffers will come. The definition for scoffers is this. Someone who jeers or mocks or treats something with content. We have so many people out there today. I listen to them. I don't know why I torture myself. But I was listening to a debate the other day, and this one woman, she knew scriptures better than the Christian. And I said, what a shame, because she had such unbelief. All she was doing and all she tried to do, she lost every argument because this guy was a, knew his scriptures better and knew the holisticness of the whole scriptures, not just the pieces that she was bringing out. That being said, you and I need to know our scriptures so that we, how, we know how to answer those who ask for the hope that is within us. It's important. And you and I, when you think about scarf has come, yeah, people are going to come, but you have a testimony that nobody can deny when Christ has changed you. Listen, I am not the same guy I used to be. I have been transformed into a whole different, I was going to say duck. Some of you said, well, I knew he was cracked. <laughs> but it's true, God has transformed me. And God has done miracles in this body. And God has done incredible miracles in the ministry. I've gone to hospitals and, and doctors have said, there's no hope for this person. I've been in so many odd situations, people I don't even know, they just grabbed me out of the hospital and brought me into the ICU with no hope for the person. And I just say, I'm going to pray with faith because that's what I'm going to do, and God's going to do what God's going to do. And the next day, that same person is out of the hospital. Or a person who's just come out of a fire, and things are terrible, and she's all burnt up, and, and it's a mess. And then she, they don't think she's going to do too well, and then like this. And all of a sudden, she's in a deep coma. And all of a sudden, while I'm praying for her, she breaks the coma. Amen. It scared the doo-doos out of me. Because while I'm praying with all intensity and I'm in the room and I'm, I'm not quiet, I'm, I'm praying and all of a sudden she's in the coma and the doctor says she's in the coma, she, we can't get out of the coma, da, 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 you know. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's all I say is okay, okay. And, I, and all of a sudden while I'm there, man, her eyes, she had these big giant bluish green eyes, big eyes, and they just popped open. And my eyes were open while I'm praying and when she popped open, I went, ooh! <laughs> she kind of scared me. And all of a sudden, I met a family member, and they're all down, and, and they said, she hasn't come out of the coma, right? so she's out now. She was out of the hospital not too many days after that. 
I'm telling you what, all things are possible, all things are possible, but we live in a world and stuff that when the miraculous happens, we go, oh, wow, incredible. No, in the believer's miraculous should be normal. But the problem is we just bring God down to our level because if we can't understand the miracles, we can't understand how God works, then all of a sudden we want to back off because we don't understand it. You're not going to understand God. He's bigger than you. And if you could understand him, then he's not much of a God because you're just a finite individual created from dust. And he is a God who has created all that you have seen and unseen. You want to go make a sun 93 miles away, put it in an orbit, it just burns every day. People want to believe it just happens? Well, go ahead. You take more faith to believe that thing, that sucker just happened to come together. Then it, it's a plan. Oh, the whole solar system's a plan. You're a plan. Everything's a plan. There's an intelligent design everywhere we go. Man is without excuse. You can diss God all you want. God's giving you the privilege to diss him. But one day, God's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And if you're not ready, it's not on God. And we'll talk about that. Don't get me excited. Sometimes when you deal with the real world, it really can challenge you. All the philosophicals, philosophical ideas and all the reasoning and all the anger, all the stuff. Even an atheist gets so mad at a Christian. I tell him, why are you so mad? If you don't believe it, go live your life. Don't get mad at me or other believers. If you don't want to believe in God, that's your choice. I know God is real. One day you too will know. I tell him, hey, if, if I'm wrong, nothing happens to me, but if you're wrong, you're in deep doo-doo. It's the truth. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it first hated me. Their scoff is going to come. There's always going to be someone who's not going to like you. That's okay. We're not here to be liked. We're here to love. Come on now. Jesus is saying, they may know because you like other people. No, God said they know because of your love. And if you're not a good lover, then you need to really work on that love. Amen. So when they don't like you, that's okay. You love them anyhow. Because why? When you were a rascal, God loved you. And let me tell you, some of you are rascals. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Just tell him. <laughs> I try to say that with a straight faith, but I couldn't. Look at this, Psalms 1, Psalms 1, I love this. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You see, he stays away from the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He, he, they, those people that do this, is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he, they do, he or she, okay, we're just making sure nowadays we live in a culture. The Bible is written in the masculine, just for those who want to know. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of a righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of righteous. He's watching you. You didn't know that. The Lord's watching you. Uh-huh. Whoa. <laughs> Tell you. Verse 4 tells us, they will say, 
Where is his coming? He promised ever since our fathers died. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Really. That's what people say, but God has intervened so many times, but they're not talking about it. Not at all. Where's the promises? Jesus is supposed to be coming back. You see, people who scoff, people who are making fun of the scriptures, are just like what the devil did. Did God say? Because what the devil always wants to do is to put doubt in the equation. Did God say he'd be with you? Did God say not to eat this tree? Because God knows if you eat it, you'll be like him. Ooh. We are so easily swayed when we don't know the truth. Verse 5 and 7. But they deliberately forget. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heaven and the earth are reserved by fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly men. This is a powerful portion of scripture right here. Peter's telling them, listen, Jesus is coming back. There's going to be scoffers. There are going to be people who are going to attack the word of God. And even in time to come, that attack is going to increase. Where they'll start to stop people when they're saying a narrative on YouTube. They'll stop, they'll stop people on Facebook or any type of social net, uh, 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 network that they're saying that something they don't want. They will control the message. They will control everything you know, the knowledge you know, what you see. They will, and you're going to wish you had a library once again. You're going to wish you had these books of information because that's how you only way you're going to find the information. They're even trying to rewrite the Bible. And so many people will be so gullible just to go right along with it. Why? Because they don't know the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. It's not about being convenience. It's not about just going along with everybody else. My dad used to say to me, <laughs> and you probably heard this too, it's as old as buying a bridge. But if everybody jumped off the pier, would you jump off the pier too? And I always said, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's being like, you know, why aren't you doing every, why are you going to try to do what everybody else is doing? And that's what happens. People rather just be a dead fish flying downstream but God wants you to be a live fish, knowing who he is and not afraid of the challenges and to grow and to really let God help you in the midst of your challenge. Your challenges is not to bring you down. Your challenge is to build you up, to bring you stronger so that you can help other people. Someone say other people. Mm. So let's look about this. But they deliberately forget. How many of you... Delivery forgot something. Delivery, you're just like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not going to do it. There, are, there is something that happens to the brain where people can deliberately forget pain. They can deliberately forget some type of um, action that's taken place in their life. And literally, because they block it out and replace it with something else, they deliberately forget. They will not 
think about that subject because when they think about that subject, it brings hurt and pain. And there's something that happens to the brain that causes the brain to block it out because of the hurt, because of the pain. And yet people who scoff, even though they know God is true, just like Romans 1, they know God is, but yet they take the truth and they replace it with a lie. And this is exactly what scoffers do. They will come against the word of God, and yet most of them will go by their emotions, not by truth. Today, everybody fights it with their emotions. It's how it makes them feel. Not talking about facts, not talking about... They go by their, how they're feeling. You never go by your feelings. Your feelings will lead you astray. Well, I don't feel that's right. That's nice. What's the facts? What's the truth? Because if you get to the truth, you're going to understand why things happen and why God did, did what he did and what he's going to do. So we, they deliberately forget, and scoffers, scoffers deliberately choose to ignore the word of truth. They, they ignore it. They're very scriptures. But one day, even though they ignore it in their mind, in their hearts, while they're living here, that does not mean they're not accountable one day before God. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, I believe, that man is to die but once and then judgment. So we have to really live our lives right because we only have one shot. Look at your neighbor and say, one shot. I know I have only one shot. I want to make the best I can with my one shot I got. Scoffers refuse to consider the evidence that's found all around the world and the evidence all around them. And yet, because it doesn't fit what they really believe or want, they start calling things that are wrong right. And we live in a world today that there are so many things that are wrong. God says it's sin. And yet, there's such a push to make everybody accept it, that it's okay. Now, God calls it sin like any other sin. Every sin has a consequence. It's sin is sin. No, this is sin and this is sin. It's sin, period. The problem is sin with us. We're sinful people who need saving. Someone say amen. amen. And without the grace of God, we all in trouble. Because sin separated us, and that's why Jesus came. He died for us, paying the penalty of sin. When you do something wrong, you go to jail. Well, someone paid your price to go to jail. Aren't you glad? That's what Jesus is all about. Unfortunately, scoffers will, will focus on their own beliefs and cause everybody else to believe them too because that's what they do. I'll tell you the truth. I tell the truth. It's up to you what you want to believe because you're accountable for what you do. You could say, I believe, and then go out and disbelieve. It's your choice. Choice. It's always about choice. Look what this says here in Genesis 1. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. If you want to think how big your God is, just look at that sun. And God said, let there be that just goes off. People say, well, you got to stop looking at Scripture with Christian eyes. No, I'm not looking at Christian eyes. I'm just reading what it said. God said, let it be light. Scoffers want to scoff at something so simple, but God said it. Shows you that there is a God, and if there is a God who created, there's accountability and responsibility to the one who created all things, seen and unseen. 
We need to recognize this. And we say, well, we look at other people, but it ain't other people. It's you and I. What are we going to do with the message of God? This is the key. It's really not the world. It's the church. I'm more concerned about the church. I'm not concerned about the world. Because your church is the light. Come on, someone say the light. The church is the salt. And if the church loses its saltiness, it's no good. If the church no longer carries the light, we, we give light to no one. That's why it's so, uh, that's why Peter's trying to stimulate and to remind us to, to, to get that passion for God once again. In Genesis, this one important book, if many people believe that the most important book is Genesis. And I, I come, kind of come very close to that because Genesis talks about everything. It answers all the questions that human, the human race asks. There's about six questions that the human race asks, and they're all found in the book of Genesis. It reveals how we were created. It reviews our, uh, it reveals our maker, how we we're created uh, uh, in creation, how we, God gave us a garden, how they fellowship together in that garden. It tells us about Satan, tells where sin comes from how we were separated from God because of disobedience, the results of sin and the judgment that came from the sin in which they committed, the future promise of a redeemer for all humanity because of the sin and the defeat of Satan, power, and deception. I mean, there's so many things all in one book. And if you haven't read the book of Genesis in a long time, let me encourage you. That's a great book. People get away from God's word and get away from God. When they get away from God, it puts us in a whole different place. And when it puts you in a whole different place, your whole world can change. That's why you've got to keep your account with God on a continuous basis. It didn't make a difference how much you're in the church, how much is God in you. And then when you bring it into the church, that's how God can flow through you. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Look at verse 7. It says this, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly men. People don't like to read this. They don't like to read this scripture. Uh, I'm going to say some things that might get your attention, might not, but I, I'm going to say them anyhow because it's truth and I think you ought to know. The very God who created the world brought a flood upon this world. A God described the time period of many, many people at that time. And God brought a judgment upon a people where God describes that every thought was evil. As bad as we are as a people, as a nation, we're still good compared to that group of people because every thought was an evil thought. And yet there was one man, someone say one man, one man living in this mess who was righteous. And because of one man, God took this man and his family and made a way. And he gave, after he was in that boat, he, he built the boat. Many, many people helped him build that boat. But never, I got that boat, and very shortly I'm going to be in the ark. Can't wait to be in it. I'm going to go to see the ark very shortly and in Kentucky. They'll make fun of the way I speak in my accent, but that's okay. I'll get over it. But when Noah got out of that boat, the ark, God gave him a rainbow. That rainbow don't belong to anybody else but God. Amen. 
that rainbow was a promise. Watch now, that rainbow was a promise that God would not bring judgment through water anymore. He said he was not going to do this anymore. He saw it, how terrible it was. He said, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to destroy everything because of mankind, because he destroyed it all, because you have to understand something. He created man for everything he created. He created all this stuff and then put man in it. He did it for us. Created all the beauty for us. And then we went astray. Every thought was wrong, evil. That's how sin grows. It's like, that's why the Bible calls it yeast. Like, it, it just rises. It gets more and more. You get little sin, a little sin gets bigger sin, bigger sin, bigger sin. Before you know it, man, you're just full out sinning everywhere, and now God's not even in the picture, and you don't care anymore. That's a bad place to be. But God gave a rainbow, and that rainbow was God's rainbow, and he put it in the sky as a reminder that he would not bring judgment through rain. However, the next one's fire. Why fire? Fire is also through the Bible, Old Testament especially, of purification. And if you look at it, the Bible tells you and I that the next thing to come on this earth, no, it's not going to be a flood. It's going to be fire. And if you read the book of Revelation... Three quarters of all of the green stuff that's growing is going to be burnt up with fire. It's going to be tragic. The sun shall not give its light. It's going to be a mess. And people always say, to me, we're going to save the earth. Save the earth. And I always tell them all the time, hey, listen, I want to do everything. I recycle. I do everything possible because what happens upstream affects downstream. Hello. But I want to tell you something, saints. I've been to a few countries. And they don't take care of their countries very well. That's why it gets me so mad when I see people just take their trash and throw it out the window. Man, if I could write them a ticket, I stop them, pull them over, and write them a doozy of a ticket. That's just irresponsibility. That being said, that being said, that the enemy, the prince of this air, trying to save the world, God's going to bring judgment on the very world he created. This world belongs to God. Hello. And he's going to do a really whopping job if you read the book of Revelations. If you haven't read it in a while, I challenge you to go ahead and read it because it's about to take place. Don't know when, but boy, I start to see things that are taking place and all the alignment taking place. It just makes me think sometimes. Don't know. We don't know. But I just want to say this, that that rainbow was a promise that God would never bring the judgment. But this time, this time he says, the same word and the present heaven and earth was reserved for fire, being kept for a day of judgment and destruction of un ungodly men. You know, it's funny in the book of Revelation, they know it's God, and yet they don't turn to God. You know why I, You know why they do, don't want to turn to God? Because the hearts of men get angry and bitter. And I have seen this so many times when people get so angry. They, they, it's not they don't believe in God. They just want nothing to do with him because they don't understand why God let something happen. And I tell them all the time, who said God let it happen? There's an enemy out there. His name is Satan, but yet nobody ever knows that he does some terrible things too. There's a battle out there. That's why they call the battle. That's why the Bible says put on the full armor of God. Why do you need armor if there's no battle? What responsibility do you and I have 
We have responsibility and we'll be accountable. But we have to realize we're in a battle of good and evil. And one day Jesus is coming back and is going to make it right again. You want to see a good an illustration of this? Read the first three chapters of Genesis and the last three chapters of Revelation. And you'll see how what happened in the wrong is now going to be restored to the good. It's amazing what God's, God has great plans. Look at your neighbor and say, God has great plans for you. Heaven and earth, Matthew chapter 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Revelation 21, 1 and 2 says, and I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there were no longer any sea. God's going to bring a new earth come down, new Jerusalem. Man, I tell you, you want to talk about a structure, just read Revelation, man. I just think that, that one mile, ah, it's just amazing structure, so high. You're going to come down from heaven. They're building it right now. Can you listen? I had the construction site. <laughs> amazing. Look at this, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping promise, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Saints, Jesus is going to come back. The prince of the air may rule for a duration of time, but God's going to come back one day and to restore all things, to put things back where they once were. I want you to get this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. You know, it's really interesting. Peter is encouraging the persecuted believers that the scoffers are going to come and mock the Lord's return. Uh, I want you to know that God's outside of time. You know, you may think about time all the time, but time's not, in, it's not, really, not really that important to God per se. He has plenty of it. He's outside of time. I know we're all about time. We want God to do certain things at a certain time, you know. How many of you are impatient? You know, come on, raise your hand. I see, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, thank you for being honest. How of you, you're in, one, you're in one line at a store, and it's moving really slow. And you start seeing people just keep passing on your right-hand side. How many of you are moving? Raise your hand. How many are moving? <laughs> yeah, I just did that just the other day, actually. <sighs> With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And really, what is reflecting here? This is not the first time he's actually getting this from Psalms chapter 90. And that's where he's thinking because God's timetable is different than I table. And when you talk about eternity and you talk about a linear of time, it's so different. And that's why we have a problem with it. God's more about working for events to take place. Peter is reflecting on Psalms 94. It says, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day. That has just gone by or like a watch in the night. So 
when God's in it for the long run, it's showing you that his timing is different than our time in it because he's in eternity. I mean, can, you can anybody here understand eternity? The best illustration that I have found to describe eternity is this. Gather all of the beaches around the whole giant world and bring them together in one spot. Every granule of sand. And have a little sparrow take one grain and take it to the moon. And after he has finished taking one grain at a time of all the sands of the whole world, after he's done, eternity has just started. Beyond our understanding. It's something that just goes, one day, one day, you'll die no more. Can you imagine that? There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. It'll be a whole different world. I almost want to break out in song. A whole new world. <laughs> Let's continue. Look at verse 9 and 10. Well, let me, let me, instead, let me do the First Thessalonians first. First Thessalonians says this. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. I, don't, I was looking at Kelly right there. <laughs> but that's how quick it's going to come. The Lord is waiting because he does not want anybody to perish. That's love. That's love. But they're going to come. They're going to come. This is what I like about this portion of Scripture. It's found in verse 11 and 12. Look at here. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed of its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. I want you to understand, God gives us some instructions. What type of person do you want to be? Let me ask you this. What type of person are you? Are you the person you want to be? Think about that. Are you right now the person you want to be? What type of person do you want to be, and are you it right now? And if you're not it, what are you doing to be it? Because if we're going to grow and change and not being stubborn, not always set in our ways, not wanting God to work within our timetable and our space, and God, you do it. No, there is a responsibility that each one of us has. Someone say responsibility. And we're accountable to that responsibility. But one day, one day, the Bible tells us that he is being patient. He's being patient, but he tells us to live holy lives, godly lives, and look forward to one day. You know, I have a bad day at home, but that day's coming. Hallelujah. We all shall be changed. That's what they said over a nursery. They all shall be changed. The day will come about and bring destruction by heaven, by fire. God's going to renew it all. What a great question to ask us. What type of people are we going to be? God tells us how to live our lives, warns us what we need to do. This is something for us to keep in mind 
when you see the world taking place, it's prophetic. Don't be fearful. Your God has promised to be with you. He's in you. He's for you. I don't, I don't worry what comes down in the future. I just want the knowledge of knowing what to do when the future hits. 13 and 14. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found, watch out now, here it goes, spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. I mean, think about it. Are you making every effort to be spotless, to do it right? Someone say this right now. I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. but I'm perfect in him. You see, you got to get this. It's like so many people, oh, I was just talking with someone just recently about going to church, and the person just said to me, I just never thought, I never saw myself being in church. And the, what he was really saying to me was that because of my past, I find myself hard to be in church because I know who I was. I'm not that person now, but I still remember what I did and who I was. But how many know if any man be in Christ? He's a new creature. All things, are pa all things are passed away and all things become new. Come on, give God some praise in the house of the Lord because he makes you a new creature, transforms us, doesn't he? So we've got to remember this, that God's going to do a work. Make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and peace. Be at peace with Christ, with him. That's who him is, Christ. That's what God wants. You see, God's people are looking for a new home. How many are looking for your new home, huh? <clears throat> One that is without sin, death, and destruction. Let me read this portion here. I thought I'd give you a little revelation, and hopefully you'll get a revelation from God, <laughs> a renewal over Revelation chapter 21, lick what we got Look forward to verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these things down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Ooh, that gives me holy pimple bumps. There's a plan. Jesus is coming back. There's a plan that if you're, a, if you're his child, you've got a great future in store. But be spotless. Be blameless. Have a hunger for the God who loves you so much that died for you. In verse 14, it tells us, 
Since we're looking forward to this, make every effort to be spotless, blameless, and peace with him. Listen, this is something that you and I need to choose to do. It's important for all of us. John 14 says this, if you love me, you obey my commandments. If you love the Lord, you're going to obey. John 14, 21 says this, whoever has my commandment and obeys me, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan. Let me land this plane with this last chapter. I told you I, I want someone to say congratulations. I went through a chapter because this was really tough for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Verse 15, 17. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore... Dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Let me just bring a couple things in closing here. When you look at this portion of Scripture here, Verse 17 says, therefore, it's a conclusion. Since you've already known this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by error of lawless man and fall from your secure position. I want you to take a note here. It's a challenge to stay consistent, taking up thy cross and following the Lord. But it also says that you can fall from your secure position. What does that mean? And that is people who are following the Lord and then turn away from God or start listening to the heresies and the falseness of things. And because they listen to another voice, it's like a sheep listening to another voice and following another sheep, they lose their secure position. That means they're lost. That means because we're volitional beings. Listen to it, to it again. Be, be carried away by errors of lawless men and fall from your secure position. The truth of God gives you the position in God, gives you the faith in God. But at any time you choose to want to walk away, you have your volition to do so. But remember, you are now accountable and responsible from your choice because your choice today are your results tomorrow. Amen? So often... We look at this and we, we don't realize, but God wants, God wants your faith to be growing. God wants you to be developing and, and learning and growing. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. In the chapter 1, it says growing his grace and growing his peace by obtaining his knowledge. I'm going to challenge you today. Jesus is coming. 
even though scoffers are going to come and people are going to come against the word of God, it's going to happen. It's been happening since the beginning of time. But can I just remind you, you need to get in the word? God can't get into you until you make room to, to get into the word of God. And if you want to learn of God, and listen, I don't care how many times you say you read your Bible through and through, so have I. And there's so much more to be learned. Not too long ago, I was having a conversation with someone, and they said, Pastor, you must know it all by now. You read it so many times, and I just almost fell over backwards. I said, there's so much more to learn. God has so much. I mean, the book, he gave us a book that just has so much in it. And then not just knowing it, but here it comes now, applying it. Amen? Because you can know something, but don't apply it. There are a lot of people out there, I call them spiritual constipation. They have a lot of knowledge, but it's not moving anywhere in their life. And of course, analogy, but you get the picture. And the truth is that it's not just knowing the Word of God, it's doing the Word of God. Because the Bible says if you are just hearers of the Word of God and not doers, you deceive yourself. So I want you to get in the Word of God. I, I, I tell you, I challenge people all the time, and, but that's all I can do. Can, just do me a favor. Close your eyes right where you are. Just close your eyes. Let me just put a couple thoughts to you. Are you a follower or are you a scoffer? Are you ready for Jesus coming? If you're not ready, you need to be ready. This is so important. If you're not ready for Jesus, if you died right now, is heaven your home? And here's another point that's really important, that as you're living your life, I, the question I ask you is, are you making an impact on your family and your friends? Are you sharing? Are you making it part of the conversation? It starts with conversation. Because Jesus is coming back, and friends, I don't want anybody to be left behind. Not because of me. Because it's too important. Judgment is coming because God is just. God is love, absolutely. That's who he is. That's his characteristics. God is waiting because he wants none to perish but have everlasting life. That's who his characteristic is. But there is a time, there is a time and a time will be when God finally is going to bring a judgment. God has made it known to us. He has made the way. Are you living right before God? Are you looking to God? Are you making your whole life about God? Or are you just fitting him in on a calendar? Don't fit him in. You wouldn't do that. If you do that with your loved ones, just don't. That's one thing, but to do that with God, my word. God will help you in every area of your heart if you just place him at the first place. Give him the first place. As your eyes are closed, and I pray that God would speak to your heart. If you don't know Jesus right now, if you don't think heaven's your home, right now, ask God to forgive you. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. But the Bible also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That means God has given you a gift. A gift. That you and I need to open up that gift of eternal life. You can say no or you can say yes. 
And if you say yes, it opens up a whole new world. And right where you are, just ask God, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I choose you today. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And because I know that you love me so much that you stretch out your arms and you died for me because that's what love does. I accept you as my Savior, my Lord. Come into my life. I give you my whole life. I want to follow you. If you said that to your heart, if you said that right here, just raise your hand. Yes, yeah, oh God, you're so good. God. If you said it at, 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 at home, just raise your hand. I believe, yes, that God just moved in your hearts. God wants to do a work in you and through you. Father, will you do a work in each heart to know that you're coming and let us be ready, let us be spotless, let us be blameless, let us be ready to do what you've asked us to do because you loved us so much. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can you give God some praise? He's coming back. Can you stand to your feet? Jesus is coming back. How many, how many have an urgency to tell somebody about it? Think about it. How many have an urgency? I mean, if, if tomorrow was gonna, some tragedy was gonna take place and you happen to know about this tragedy, how many of you would keep it secret? Or would you tell somebody? We need to really understand that no matter how long we have on earth, we need to make sure that we are active. And how I like to close today is in a commitment to God. To really say, God, I need to be proactive in sharing the faith, my faith with everywhere I go. I need to be proactive. I need to recognize that one day, Lord, you're coming and I need to proclaim to people, every person who comes into my life, I need to be your ambassador. Someone say, my, your ambassador. How many would like to be God's ambassador? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand if you want to. If you got to speak for God, you got you to stand up, right? How many want to speak for God and, and share Jesus, Jesus' word with people and inspire them and encourage them? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I want to meet me down in the front. Let's do a dedication to the Lord today. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean, have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.